back for another episode of Chew the Bible with your good friend A.A. Ron. And it is October 13th, 2021. 8.42 in the morning. And uh, yeah, normally I'll be out here uh, making some deliveries. Well, technically not, because the last couple of Wednesdays, or a few Wednesdays, Wednesdays I've actually taken off. <clears throat> Since this is the day I go see my counselor and then I have my soul care class. So, anyway. Yeah, today it's nice and rainy outside. and Yeah, day, today was kind of the beginning to it was a little, a little different. I had to help my pops out. So I was like, you know what, let's just, uh, let's go ahead and just take the day off. <laughs> Plus after last night and I don't know, just an interesting last night. I was like, you know what? And some emotions I'm having. Very emotional this morning. So uh yeah. And then yeah, I have an interview tomorrow for this new job. I thought I was gonna work at this one place, but it looks looking like I'm be I'm gonna be working at this other place if it comes through we'll see so yeah all you prayer warriors people out there uh, who listen to this consistently yeah uh, please pray for me on that and um man i'm trying not to say um i've been working on that and let's get right into it so yeah we're in second samuel chapter 22 and 21 there was these Gibeonites who were, how does the story go? They weren't Israelites, but they were a remnant of the Amorites. <laughs> I got to go back and look at who all these folks were because I get confused after a while, all these ites. And David wanted to know how he could make atonement. For what happened. What happened to them. Apparently yeah. Saul. During Saul's reign. Yeah he was bloodthirsty. And he yeah ravaged and killed the Gibeonites. But there was a remnant left. So anyway yeah David wanted to make it, things right. And so he goes to them, asks them how he can make it right, and they ask for seven. They ask them, the request is kind of strange. They ask for seven people from Saul's family. And like they wanted to kill seven of them. He wanted David to hand over seven people from Saul's family so they could murder them, and they hung them from a tree. Did they hang them? Yeah. They were hanged. They hanged them on the hill in the presence of the Lord. And yeah, a bunch of Saul's grandchildren were killed, except for there was a Mephibosheth, who was the son of Jonathan, who was tight with David. David allowed him to eat at his table. It was an old pact that David had made after Jonathan died. So, anyway, 
that's the best I can explain that one. I mean, I could probably explain it better, but yeah, for now, <laughs> considering the mental state I'm in, um, we'll just roll with that summary. Hope that, hope that's good enough for y'all. If it's good enough for y'all, it's good enough for me. Even if it's not good enough for y'all, it's good enough for me. All right, so we're in Second Samuel chapter 22, and this title is called, or heading is David's Song of Thanksgiving. So David spoke the words of this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from the grasp of all his enemies and from the grasp of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, where I seek refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. You save me from violence. If you do not have that underlined in your Bible and highlight it, circled I don't know what's wrong with you because that is so powerful so powerful so powerful you could just pray that out loud like whenever you're in a going through a tough time you say Lord you are my rock my fortress my deliverer Lord you are my God my rock where I seek refuge you are my shield the horn of my salvation you know, when they used to blow the horn in that in battle. So that horn, at least as I read that, it's like saying, yeah, you are the one who delivers me when I'm like a distress signal. That's how I think of that as. There's so many, the horn represents so many things. But <clears throat> I, in this case, I think of it as like in distress signal. You call out to the Lord for help. You blow the horn. Whenever a city was under attack, they would blow the horn. And that let everybody know, hey, get on guard. Get ready. We're going to defend ourselves. But God is our defender. He, You are my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. Not just violence. You save me from so many things. You save me from, shoot, destroying myself. You save me from going down paths that I shouldn't go down. You save me from getting angry when I'm tempted to get angry. You save me from, yeah, just wallowing in depression when everything says, like, be depressed right now. <laughs> be sad. Not to say that sadness and depression aren't bad emotions because yeah as we see through the psalms david was always like shooty he battled a lot of depression a lot of your greatest theologians like who is that one guy i think a charles spurgeon i think battled depression really bad and like chronic depression and to me like depression and mental health challenges they just they kind of like regulate you they they show you just how, for me, it shows me how inadequate, like how much I need God. And yeah, it really humbles me. So it's kind of like, a, to me, yeah, things like depression, they are almost like a regulator on a car. Because <laughs> we can go a million miles a minute and not think that we need God. And yeah. Said like that speed limit, that limiter on us, that slows us down and reminds us 
that we need God and nothing in this world will satisfy us outside of him. So, all right, verse four, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was saved from my enemies. For the waves of death engulfed the waves of death engulfed me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. It's amazing because this sounds so much like a psalm. Some of the psalms we're going to eventually read. The ropes of Sheol, or the place of the dead, this, the ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. I called to the Lord in my distress. I called to my God. From his temple he heard my voice. And my cry for help reached his ears. I don't know about y'all, but there's times where I've called out to the Lord and didn't think he was listening. And then some of my most, it's weird, in times when you don't think he's listening, he's always listening, no matter what, right? But it's been in the times where I'm like in like a desperate situation, uh, like there was a time I was in Houston and I was just tripping out. Um, I was having a yeah. This is say a bad day <laughs> due to some poor choices, and yeah, I, I yeah, I cried out to the Lord. I started singing songs and praying, like any worship song I could think of. I was in a desperate situation, and instantly like not instantly probably like yeah within five minutes help was on came help came and took me to where i needed to go and just looking back on that whole situation just all the situations i've been in where and i'm not i'm leaving a lot of details up because i don't know i don't know at some point i'll share more but yeah in times where i've been like in very desperate situations where i had like nothing and i needed God to guide me and rescue me out of the situation, bad situation I was in. It's like I saw the hand of the Lord, like rescue me, like literally rescue me out of a horrible situation, some horrible stuff, and um, it could have that could have gone a whole lot worse. Like gone left real quick to where I, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now, even talking to you. So basically died. So. Anyway, what am I trying to say? Yeah, God is good. He hears our cries, even when we don't think he's listening. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of the heavens trembled. They shook because he burned with anger. Smoke rose from his nostrils, and consuming fire came from his mouth. Coals were set ablaze by it. He bent the heavens and came down. This is interesting. Let's keep going. This might be a long episode. Just warning y'all because I think this is a lot of verses. Yeah, this is 51 verses long. All right, let's keep going. Total darkness beneath his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He made darkness a canopy around him, a gathering of water and thick clouds. From the radiance of his presence, blazing coals were ignited. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High made his voice heard. 
He shot arrows and scattered them. He hurled lightning bolts and routed them. The depths of the sea became visible. The foundations of the world were exposed at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep water. He rescued me from powerful from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, and they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Yes, the Lord was my support. He brought me, (laughs) this is so funny. He brought me to a spacious place. My old friend KB, that was her, one of her favorite things, one of her prayers, that God would bring her into a spacious place. Put her initials there. (laughs) He rescued me because he delighted in me. Yes, the Lord delights in you, whether you feel like it or not. You have to put the emotions in the caboose and, and dwell on the truth. Yeah, as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm straight up. I'm going to have one of my, I don't know, I cry a lot. I'm going to have my, uh, I cry more than Dick Vermeil. And uh, I'm going to have one of my little crying sessions because, yeah, I'm dealing with a lot mentally and emotionally right now. So, um, but as when I cry it out after I get off of this podcast, and for those of y'all that might be hurting, um, you have to, you have to, you have to meditate on the truth. You have to dwell on the truth because everything in you is going to try to, every Satan and his demons, like in your flesh, I hate even giving Satan and his demons that much credit, but our own flesh wars against our spirit, man. I renewed, I regenerated man and tells the new man that you're not loved and that God doesn't see you, that he doesn't delight in you, that he doesn't care about you. Um, even Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, he had to be comforted after he was tempted by Satan and um, by the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And um, anyway, yeah, even Jesus from moment, I'm sure he had moments where and even when he was hanging on that cross, he said, my father, like, you know, why have you forsaken me? And there's, you know, so many things have been said about that and theological theological discussions on that. But the main thing is for a moment, a brief moment, Jesus, like his, that was his, that was the most human part of, uh, that was one of the most human moments we ever saw Jesus in Jesus when he said that. Because all of us, at some point, that is like the root of why people don't believe in God. That's the root in why people don't trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the root of why people, Christians, walk away from God. That's the root of why even Christians walking with God wrestle with God. Because at times it's like, Lord, why, why does it feel like you have forsaken me? Why? 
Are you allowing me to go through this hard circumstance? You know, uh, these trials, you know, why does it feel like you're far away from me when actually he's closer to you in those trials and those hard circumstances than you could ever imagine? So anyway, dwell on the truth. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, he rescued you. He will rescue you. And because he delights in you. He delights in me. Write that in your Bible. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. He repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. Now, this is David we're talking about. This is the man, yeah, with the Bathsheba situation, with the concubines and the multiple wives and the um, whole situation with uh, Uriah. And he is saying, you rewarded me according to my righteousness and repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. That just goes to show you that His righteousness and his cleanliness was not based on anything that he did. That put a box around that. Not based on anything David did. Just like our righteousness. Is based on Jesus alone. All right, verse 22. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and not turned from my God to wickedness. Indeed, I let all his ordinances guide me and have not disregarded his statutes. I was blameless. My pastor always says God calls us to walk blameless, not um, imperfection, but blameless. Trying to constantly wash and walk in perfection and do everything right is can lead you to a spirit of religion. When walking blameless before the Lord, you realize that you mess up, that you say things you shouldn't, you do things you shouldn't. But it's like a relationship where you constantly, you know that no matter what. Now, I'm not saying just go and do whatever you want and just, you know, blatantly sin and make, you know, tell people off and do things we should do. I'm saying is like, you know that every time you resist the temptation to sin, that... It's nothing but the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do that. And you're constantly asking for his help. And you're not trying to resist sin in your own strength. You're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope that makes sense. And knowing that there's no accusation that can be placed against you that is credible. Because Jesus Christ is your public defender. He's your attorney he's your um lawyer yeah that you keep on retainer and every time satan and his demons or your flesh try to come along and say you but but you did that but you did this but 
but and we live in a world right now like cancel culture and all the things going on in the news people are you know sending emails they shouldn't have sent and doing things they shouldn't have and getting fired for things that they did years ago and uh in god's kingdom in the court of public opinion we're not blameless <laughs> we're constantly um yeah how do i say it yeah it's you constantly made to feel guilty and and yeah are guilty but in god's kingdom when you have jesus in your heart and you accept him as lord your lord and savior he's your advocate and anytime the court of public opinion tries to come along and say but you said such and such you know you should be punished and you did that and you did this you did that it's like nope i'm blameless before the lord i'm covered by the blood of jesus all my sins are separated as far as the east is from the west and they've been blotted out and so yeah once again that doesn't give us like paul said give us a license to just go do whatever we want (laughs) but it's like you have a freedom in knowing that there's no accusation you don't have to live in fear you don't have to live in constant like shame and guilt because you're free from all of that based on what jesus did on the cross anyway i just love that word blameless verse 24 i was blameless before him and kept myself from my iniquity so the lord repaid me according to my righteousness according to my cleanness in his sight with the faithful you prove yourself faithful with the blameless you prove yourself blameless with the pure you prove yourself pure with the crooked you prove yourself shrewd you rescued an oppressed you rescue an oppressed people but your eyes are set against the proud you humble them lord you are my lamp the Lord illuminates my darkness. With that lamp word, it keeps coming up over and over again. In a revela- personal revelation I had, where is it? Is it in Matthew about the... T- I should go there. The ten virgins. It's in Revelation as well. The ten virgins and five of them had oil and five of them didn't. I can't wait to get to that. But when I think of that oil, I think of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, I'm looking forward to reading about that. But that lamp word comes up a lot. How the Lord is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that he leads us and guides us. Um, later, some scriptures we're going to read. One of the scriptures talks about how uh, we are the light of the world. We're a city on the hill. Anyway, Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord illuminates my darkness. Yes, yes, Lord. With you, I can attack a barricade, and with my God, I can leap over a wall. God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord, and who is a rock? Only our God, my strong refuge. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. And sets me securely on the heights. He trains my hands for war. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your help exalts me. You make a spacious, there go that spacious place again. You make a spacious place 
beneath me for my steps and my ankles do not give way. I pursue my enemies and destroy them. I do not turn back until they are wiped out. I wipe them out and crush them and they do not rise. They fall beneath my feet. You have clothed me with strength for battle. You subdue my adversaries beneath me. You have made my enemies retreat before me. I annihilate those who hate me. They look, but there is no one to save them. They look to the Lord, but he does not answer them. I pulverize them like dust of the earth. I crush them and trample them like mud in the streets. You have freed me from the feuds among my people. You have preserved me as a as head of nations, as a people I had not known served me. Foreigners submit to me, cringing as soon as they hear, they obey me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling from their fortifications. The Lord lives. Blessed be my right. As I'm reading this, I'm just thinking about Jesus like the whole time. It's like as though Jesus is talking, but it's David. I don't know. It's weird to read this because that's where my brain is going. God, the rock of my salvation, is exalted. God, he grants me vengeance and casts down peoples under me. He frees me from my enemies. You exalt me above my adversaries. You rescue me from violent men. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, Lord. I will sing praises about your name. He is a tower of salvation for his king. He shows loyalty to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Now, that was 50, 51 verses. If David can write 51 verses, thanking God, we got Thanksgiving coming up in November. I encourage y'all from this day forward, every day, at least write down one thing that you're thankful for the Lord that he has done in your life. And... Just meditate on it. Just meditate on that one thing that God has done. Something he, you prayed about it, he answered. Uh, anyway, he has rescued you. The fact that he woke you up this morning. The food you're going to eat. Yeah, more than just the food you eat and being woken up in the morning. Just like think of something for real that he's done for you. Uh, that you didn't deserve and just thank them i know people are big into like gratitude journals and all that kind of stuff but yeah thank the lord specifically for specific things that he has done give him the credit where credit is due thank him for sending his son jesus to die for you like yeah there's power in that all right Let's read these Tony Evans notes and uh, keep going. (sighs) Or, yeah, I might come back for another episode. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm feeling a little bit better after reading that. Or a lot better, actually. Just Anyway. All right. David's song of praise in this chapter is virtually identical to Psalm 18. The final stanza ties God's attributes to the ways 
God had worked through them on David's behalf. God was David's protector, a shield to all who take refuge in him, as well as a rock in whom David could find protection. <clears throat> to underscore his point, David asked two questions in, 20, verse, in chapter 22, verse 32, to which he knew the answer. Who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock? There is no solid and immovable rock like the Lord. God was the one who subdued David's enemies and delivered David from harm. If the kingdom of Israel looked to God as his tower of salvation, surely all of God's people should do the same. Here David seems to claim divine inspiration for his writings, an idea which is fully expressed in the New Testament, but which is... But which the Old Testament prophets claimed in many places when they said things like the word of the Lord came to me. The heart of David's reign is the Davidic covenant that will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ returns in glory to reign on David's throne in his coming millennial kingdom. That's in Luke chapter one, verse 31 through 33. In contrast to God's faithfulness, the wicked are like thorns that are completely useless and are only good for the fire of God's judgment. That's all we got. Let's hop on this Romans road. And then when we come back, we just have... David's last words and David's military census and David gets punished. It's crazy how the ending of this is. Yeah, because David took a census, an unauthorized census of the people and yeah, God wasn't happy with that. Uh, which will be interesting because I still don't fully understand what God was upset about in that situation and him taking a census. I guess because he didn't get the his God's permission. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting how we close out Second Samuel. I wrestle. I wrestle a lot with the Old Testament because it's like you see the wrath of God a lot, and then. It's sometimes it's hard to reconcile that with the New Testament where you see the grace of God through Jesus. So, grace, 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 grace. The United States and our world right now is under a lot of grace. God we're, could have destroyed us a long time ago because it's becoming more and more like Sodom and Gomorrah every single day. All right, here we go. The Rome, let's hop on the Romans road. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we would confess with our mouth and that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with our hearts, we believe that we are in right standing with God. And with our mouths, we confess that we have 
salvation, that we've been saved. And we go tell other folks about it. Romans 10, 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. You can simply say this prayer to ask Jesus in your heart to say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. I'm going to go cry these thug tears and pray. So I might be back or might not be till later this evening. We'll see. Anyway, love y'all. Take care. God bless. And yeah, looking forward to the next. Closing out 2 Samuel. Deuces.